Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Firms Consulting Case Interviews and Management Consulting Podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about a recent discussion I had with a with an MBA candidate, a client, at a major top five MBA program in the United States. And this client, well, this client falls into a trap I think most clients fall into. They buy into the excessive marketing of MBA programs where they believe that this MBA is going to dramatically change their life. It's going to change everything. They're going to become strategy superstars, rent a Boeing to send it just for them to put them on that plane and fly them in for an interview. And they are superstars. MBA programs create that image that if you get an MBA or study at that school, your life will change. You will be a new person. And this client was so excited about the skills he was learning his MBA program and the skills he was going to learn now that he's joining Bain & Company that he felt that he can go anywhere in the world and be a superstar. And I was cautioning him against this thinking because it's not true. Your skills are valuable and you can put a price on it, but the price is not the same everywhere. And that's what you have to be careful of. And his view was, it's not true, Michael. Everyone knows the value of having an MBA from the school and working at Bain. And I'm not knocking Bain, a very good firm, outstanding firm. This has nothing to do with them. I could replace this with BCG, Deloitte, McKinsey. The firm is irrelevant. Consulting is irrelevant. You could go into banking. It doesn't matter. The argument I'm making here is that I feel that this client may be making some bad decisions. In terms of overthinking the value of the skills he's going to gain. Let me explain this to you, an analogy and then drawing it back. Let's assume you had a house. What is that house worth? How would you determine what that house is worth? So if I asked this question to the MBA client and he said, well, Michael, normal MBA stuff, you know, which is not wrong, but not right as well. I would go up and do a peer valuation, which is looking at what similar houses have sold. I look at what is the most valuable traits of a house, which is smart. You know, not everything is valuable in a house. You know, what is the square footage, number of bathrooms, number of rooms, size of the kitchen, whether the kitchen has been upgraded, how many showers how many full baths, whether there's any structural changes, all true, all useful things. Then I would see what similar houses have sold for recently in the area. Okay, all important, all true. The mistake the client makes is that to assume there's a market there. If there's no one looking to buy your house, no matter how many people have bought similar houses, if there's nobody looking to buy your house, you have the, the house is worth nothing. Now you can argue as much as you want the house is worth something, but if nobody's willing to give you money for the house, it's worth nothing. It doesn't matter how accurate your analysis is. It doesn't matter how careful you've done it. If nobody is willing to give you money for the house, it's worth nothing. If someone is only willing to give you half of what you think the house is valued, it may be worth that, but you could hold out. But if you get 10 offers valued at only what you only at half of what the house is valued or what you think it is valued, then by and large, the market is telling you the house is worth half of what you think it is valued. So I think the first thing you've got to understand in determining what your skills are worth or what an asset is worth is, firstly, is there a market? First thing, is there a market? Second thing is, is the market willing to buy your skill? Third thing is, is the market willing to buy your skill at the price that you think it is worth? Now, if the market is not willing to buy a house at the price you think it is worth, you can either not sell or sell it. If you don't sell it, you have to wait and hope the price goes up, but it may go down. But you can't go to someone and say, well, my analysis says the house is worth so much. And even though 10 people are offering me 50% less, there's something wrong with you guys. You got to pay me more. The market is what the market is. You can't change it, right? So first you need a, you need demand. You need a buyer. 
or a demand. You then need the market to actually make an offer. And the offer needs to be what you think the house is worth, right? Those are the mechanics of, of a market. But it's obviously not that easy, right? First thing is, once we get past that first hurdle, you have to think about, hey, is what I'm offering valuable and what is the availability of that valuable skill in the market? Just take an example, right? Let's assume this consultant leaves Bain in one year or two years or three years, whatever the time is, and he stays in, let's say, New York, a very competitive market. Or London. London's very competitive. In fact, probably London's even more competitive because all the consulting firms have their offices just in London. There's no McKinsey branch in Manchester and Liverpool. It's all in London. So it's more competitive than the US and Germany in that regard. So what it means when people leave consulting, they stay in London. So you've got this deep pool or in simple language, an excess of supply of skills in London. So if you're an ex-strategy consultant trying to set up your own firm in the city of London, boy, you better be good. Especially if you're trying to set up a corporate finance practice because that's London's bread and butter. So you set up a shop and you go to meet a client and the client's going to say, well, I've met like 15 people who run their own consulting firms. What makes you different? And the answer is, well, I worked at Bain and I went to the school. Let's assume the school is Stanford. But he's going to say, well, yeah, I've got people from McKinsey, BCG and Bain. They all went to similar school. In fact, I know some people went to your school as well. But what makes you different? So you can see uh, it's you've got to first determine what is your value and how scarce it is. If your value is the fact you worked at Bain or McKinsey and you went to Stanford and it's not such a scarce skill, then you've got to find a reason why someone's going to give you their money. And if that reason is not compelling, then you've got to undercut yourself. You've got to say, okay, these guys who went to who are ex-Spain or went to Stanford are charging you 200 pounds per hour to do this analysis. We can charge you 100 pounds per hour. You gain the same value for less money. Or you can differentiate yourself in another way. Now, if you want to understand that, you can need to watch the Bull Madisoni show about new markets and new market spaces and new dimensions of competition that's available to insiders. You would know where to find it. And if you're not an insider and you still want to watch some sample episodes for a limited time only, if you go to firmsconsulting.com, that's F-I-R-M-S-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com and you register for free or you opt in by giving your email address, you will receive some sample videos of our advanced programs to show you this thinking. But getting back into the story, you can see here that just having this amazing strategy skill from a great university and a great firm doesn't mean you're going to get paid the same amount everywhere in the world because it gets even worse. If you live in a country where the cost of living is very low, you're going to be paid even less. So what does this mean? That means that let's assume you've happened to be one of those people who doesn't matter what school you went through, you learned very valuable skills, whether it's an undergraduate, MBA, whatever it is, master's in science. You then work at a consulting firm, Deloitte, Bain, Roland Berger, whatever it is. You've picked up these amazing skills, but then that skill is only valuable depending largely on your location. If you go to a place that's a massive concentration of these skills, there's an oversupply of skills, the value is going to drop precipitously. Then you'd argue and say, but Michael, are you telling me to move to Kansas? Well, no, maybe. You've got to go to a place where there's demand for it. They're willing to spend money on it. But you can go to some places where there's no demand for it. There are parts of the world whereby nobody even knows what management consulting is and they're not going to pay you anything for it. So when someone tells me that everyone knows the value of these strategy skills, it's, it's so amazing. I know there's going to be a huge payback. But here's the thing. If you transfer from India to study at, let's say, whatever, I think Cornell has an MBA program, Harvard and so on, and you spend a lot of money. It's opportunity cost of your work. It's the money you put in for accommodation. It's assuming you didn't get a full scholarship. It's a, it's a good $200,000, $300,000 investment. And you probably took out a loan for that as well. 
And then your plan is to go back to maybe India, maybe another part of the world whereby the salary is not so large, the market is not so developed whereby consultants are not paid as much, or you decide to strike out on your own by going to some part of the world whereby you don't have the salary of an established firm, the price on your skills or the value of your skills are not so obvious. A lot of times when we look at the value of strategy skills, we always assume it's a universal amount. It's not a universal amount. It's heavily driven by location and the sophistication of the market and the oversupply of the market and your ability to differentiate yourself. So can you put a price on your strategy skills? Yes, absolutely. You just look at the average billing rate of consultants or independent people or strategy people within corporates in the city where you want to be located. And then you ask yourself if it's worth it. But certainly don't incur significant costs and tell yourself, well, it's going to be worth it in the long term. It may be, but maybe not. If return is a function of prestige driven by brand value ego plus salary, then yeah, I could see that being the case because you know you can go to every single market in this emerging markets economy and tell people you went to Harvard and they'll be very excited by it. And they'll probably put you on the board of directors of some state-owned enterprises company because you went to Harvard. But even then, the value is not the same. Because if you sit on the board of a state-owned enterprises company in some emerging market, the salary may not be what you would have earned even as an engagement manager in New York. So think about carefully of the value or the price of the skills you are earning because it's not the same. It's all about cost-benefit analysis. I'm pretty sure in the long term, you'll be fine. But the question is whether you want to be fine. Always remember, it's about the market where you're going to be based. The market will have a certain demand. They'll put a price on you. That price is largely a function of what skill, what value you're bringing to the market or how you're positioning it. And then how much oversupply or undersupply there is of that skill. And that's the things you have to consider. But there's no such thing as, well, you know, I I totally see the value of this. It's going to earn me a lot of money no matter where I go in the world. That is not true because largely depending on where you go in the world, the amount you earn is going to be significantly different and you need to be aware of that. If you have any questions or if you liked anything about this podcast and you'd like us to continue doing, place a comment and what I'll do is we'll take in the best questions and we'll answer them in future episodes. And you know this is a long-running podcast series. It's been around for, I could be wrong, but since 20... Well, it started in 2010, even though it only came to iTunes, I think, in 2011. So it's been around for close to a decade and will be around for a good few more decades. So I look forward to your comments and questions.